630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, Campbell and for Wilkins tonight and for... The remainder of this week through Thursday, we got the football game Elks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Friday night. 5.30 is countdown to kickoff, and 7 o'clock is the kickoff on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, home run derby going on at Dodger Stadium. First time the Dodger Stadium. I, I find this hard to believe, but yes, first time they've held the Midsummer Classic since 1980. And uh, Julio Rodriguez hits 32 homers in his round and earns a 30-second bonus as... Uh, he is currently in the lead, and uh, I think everyone's using their 45-second timeout, which is great for the uh, television broadcaster, which is ESPN, because they can slip in a commercial. So uh, they love the format as well. Um, I wonder how many uh, dingers in a home run derby Bob Stoffer could hit. I wonder what he would think. I know what I would do, or what I would think I would hit. Not many. How about Bob? What do you think, Stoff? Oh, um... Well, I I definitely tried to swing for the fences when I went up there. I don't. I, I, so, I I think I'm not going to be too arrogant about it. I might be able to get a few, whack a few out of the park, maybe a couple. But uh, I mean, those guys have incredible hand-eye coordination, right? Like it's just amazing, and it's interesting. You mentioned Julio Rodriguez, and you know the guy's 21 years of age, and he's uh, you know a 275 hitter this year, and um, yeah. what a story! I mean, a six foot three right. Uh, you know, right hitting uh, center fielder for Seattle, and it's been a long time since they've had somebody roar in there at that age. I think they had a guy named Griffey Jr. that came in at 19, as I recall, going back in the uh, mid 80s and making a pretty big uh, impression. And I have a couple specific yeah. memories: Dave Parker chucking. Uh, you remember the the throw to the play, the, the home plate from the Cobra, and uh, and then the other one was Bo Johnson. Yeah. Who, for me, uh, you know, I remember because Ronald Reagan was doing color and people forget this but he was a sports broadcaster at one time during his career uh and i'm going to tie this into hockey but uh bo jackson hitting that uh, home run and be the the mvp of the all-star game and ronald reagan on the call and ronald reagan's career uh dave was helped along by wasserman and uh, they really kind of that you know that was the agent and that was the genius behind ronald reagan transitioning him from the uh, motion picture industry and into full-time politics and as you know Wasserman's now one of the biggest agencies in hockey they represent uh, Connor McDavid and, and Austin Matthews so it's uh, just a little bit of a history lesson there for you yeah for sure yeah that, that, that that's great Bob and also uh, you mentioned Bo Jackson who and I'm sure you've seen the 30 for 30 I know I have I'm sure many people have seen it I mean, there probably wasn't a better athlete on the planet Earth uh, that we have ever seen than Bo Jackson. It's just it was a very short amount of time before the, the, his hip problems uh, uh, came into uh, came into effect for him. But man, what an athlete! Well, I mean, he's 
how many athletes can come back and play with an artificial hip. He did baseball. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I, you know, as you know, I'm a huge uh, Alabama fan and have a tremendous, uh, you know, appreciation for Southeastern Conference football. I can, I can remember when Bo was at Auburn in back-to-back years, Auburn was the preseason consensus number one. It didn't ultimately happen for him, but, you know, the senior year, he's just, it's scary. And, and the funny thing is, Bear Bryant tried to recruit him and wouldn't commit to playing him at running back. He said, you're not going to touch the field uh, until late in your sophomore year. And Auburn's like, no, you're getting on the field right away. And he, you know, there was there was three guys. There was uh, Herschel Walker, uh, Bo Jackson, and then Marcus Dupree in his great book uh, written by Willie Morris called The Courtship of Mar- Marcus uh, Dupree, who had, I believe, a cup of coffee uh, later on in his career with the, with the Edmonton uh, Eskimo. So uh, mm. and those guys were three dominant big men that could really run, but Bo was the most explosive. I mean, Herschel had the longer NFL career. But Bo was the more dynamic player, and Marcus Tupri was a guy who kind of couldn't get out of his own way, but special players, to say the least. Well, speaking of home runs, uh, I, I cannot recall a free agency in a long time or ever. And I don't know if it's you could, maybe home run is a, is a little bit too, uh, too, uh, too much of a word, but let's just put it this way. There's a lot of people happy with the work that Ken Holland has done in free agency so far. And uh, I think it was pretty impressive that he was able to re-sign Evander Kane and get Kulak and, uh, you know, get Jack Campbell and how it's turning, Bob, where players actually want to come and play here. Yeah, it's uh, this this for me was the biggest the uh, biggest one, really. The And I'm going to go back to when Morley was doing the color in the uh, summer of 05 when Edmonton went back-to-back days, uh, made trades, Kevin Lowe was the GM, and brought in Chris Pronger. And then he brought in uh, Michael Pekka. And there was an incredible amount of excitement as we came back from the lockout with the addition of those two players. Well, those were trades. And uh, in, this has been building with for a while with Ken Holland. You know, people... I, most orders fans, when they look at it, not every move has worked out, but the reality of the situation is in three years as GM, Edmonton's had a 620 winning points percentage, you know, and, and they went three rounds mm-hmm. of playoffs. And I always felt that if they could get some traction with McDavid and Dreisaitl, look out. And I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, Dave, there's some stuff happening behind the scenes that hasn't necessarily come to fruition and been completed on. But the market has shrunk so much for players right now in terms of the dollars that they can command that mm-hmm. there's some good guys out there that are still trying to be a part of the state. Like, there's a couple pretty good players yeah. that would come in at a million bucks. But, you know, the Kane one was huge. Uh, I thought that was a master class in negotiation. You know, Vander Kane was at one point looking. Uh, I, I think in his mind, he thought, well, I can get, you know, six times six or six times seven somewhere. That did not come to fruition, and the orders were able to. Mm-hmm. Ken Holland gave him that window to go do, go check out something himself, Dave, and, and then suddenly, boom, the deal was done before we opened free agency. Kulak, um, you know, Kulak got paid, but he didn't get paid stupid. Uh, you know, you look at a couple of other deals, Cabranson four times. It's a good term. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Dave. It's a good term. And then the final one, and that is Jack Campbell and Bull. So, you know, they added they added Yanmark. I still think they're going to add another for, uh, forward. And, again, there might be some opportunities, that, you know, we'll have to wait and see here what's going to happen in the next couple of days. But I think they might still add one more forward. And uh, you're 100% right. Guys can see that Edmonton's going to win. They can see that McDavid and Dreisaitl are – special players and the other thing that they are coming to realize is 
there's not a lot of money out there elsewhere. And there's teams that no. don't want to – like Anaheim – Dave, Anaheim's not spending any money. Uh, Arizona's not spending any money. And that's money that's not in the system. And so that's making players sit there and go, well, you know what? I've made X during my career. I got a chance to win if I go to Edmonton. Let's see if they, you know, I can make that happen. Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now and analyst on the Oilers Radio Network, joining us here on 630 Ched Inside Sports. So the latest, uh, Matthias Janmark signed yesterday, one year, uh, one and a quarter million, had uh, 25 points, including nine goals for the Vegas Golden Knights last year. And now it's salary arbitration season. Uh-huh. And two, two Oilers players have elected for arbitration, which th- this is interesting. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto is one, and Jesse Pugliarvi is the other one. And I saw a tweet saying only one is going to stay, and we kind of—I think we know which one that is. But explain what this, uh, what the next shoes or shoe or a couple shoes to drop here, especially when it comes to Pooley Harvey. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, you know, those two guys have filed ARB. Uh, Ryan McLeod doesn't have ARB rights, so he's he's an RFA as well. He's going to get a deal done. My guess is that's going to be a one-year deal. If I was his agent, I would I might just accept the qualifier and then take the order to arbitration next year because I think that McLeod's going to play a critical role, third-line center for Edmonton. Uh, here, part of what's happened here is, again, because there's not a lot of money in the system right now, there's players that are getting squeezed so the orders have Poliarvi and they have Yamamoto, and the way arbitration works is they basically factor it in based on points per game, which I don't think is necessarily fair because what you know, how do you evaluate a guy that let's just say averages 0.6 points per game playing at Edmonton, where they're on a team with McDavid and Drysaddle, versus a player that makes 0.6 points per game? on a team that doesn't have anybody that's a 60-point score. You know what I mean? There's a yeah. lot better opportunities in, in Edmonton. So uh, the, if you look at the numbers, if you just assign 900000 a, a million for McLeod, the, you know, the owners basically can afford one $3 million guy out of arbitration. And Yamamoto's a guy that, um, you know, kind of played in the top six role in playoffs, and Paul Yarby was out of that role by – he, you know, he had six goals in the final 52 games. I, I think we're headed down an inevitable path where, you know, yes, the Pogliarvi might be best for everybody to get a fresh new start, but here's the rub, Dave. They're not going to get value, the perceived value that the fans have out there. Teams just aren't yeah. giving up that type of value. So, um, you know, I mean, Jesus, uh, I, I thought maybe they could trade him for a player before the draft, and now I'm thinking if they, you know, end up making a move with Jesse, it might be for a draft pick. No one's going to be happy with that, but that's just kind of how it works. That's the inevitability of the situation. So, um, and the only way Jesse could potentially circumvent that and actually help his value out and facilitate a trade is to kind of do what Toronto did with Pierre Engvall. Engvall took a one-year deal at 2.25 million, below what the price point would have come in if he'd gone arbitration. People should keep that in mind. So right. I, I, and I mean, hey, the move in Calgary tonight, where the Flames are taking Kachuk to arbitration. I was uh, going to ask you about that. <laughs> wow, that, that's that. Yeah. I mean, it buys Calgary more time to negotiate a long-term deal, but there's an outside chance it might upset the player. And Calgary's already had a tough summer. Then, who knows? Maybe they end up getting in on Calgary. I don't think it's going to be them. But arbitration is a very sticky situation because it often ends up in a scenario 
where feelings get hurt along the way. So I have to keep and monitor that. It it almost smacks of a move, and I I don't know how I could blame Brad Treleving for thinking this way, considering what happened with Johnny Goodrow, which was unbelievable how that whole drama played out. I I'm still I'm still flabbergasted by the whole thing. You know, not that Johnny left. It's just how it happened. It's just. Like it's a little bit of uh, deception and cloak and dagger and, hey, I'm a Columbus Blue Jacket. I was gonna, I wasn't gonna come back huh? anyway. But you know, uh, like it was, I'm like just like I can't believe how this played out. I mean, Brad Treleving looked devastated when I was watching uh, his news conference when I was uh, working on some prep for the uh, Elks Alouettes game in my. This smacks of just complete desperation. Even though, like you say, and you took the words out of my mouth. How happy is Matthew Kachuk tonight about this? You know, who probably was ready to take his QO and say, all right, I'm one year away from leaving as well. Well, I mean, it, it forces more discussion on a potential long-term deal, but if the player doesn't want to sign there, the player doesn't want to sign there. Dave, I have theories about where you get your players from. Like if you're, you know, the order's greatest success has been with players out of the West and players in the OHL. Uh, now that said, they had a couple of real good Americans when Morley was doing the game and Doug Waite and Bill Garrett, and those guys didn't ask to be traded. But at that time, the others, you know, we were in a different world. We didn't have a cap, and Edmonton wasn't a team that could go nine million bucks on a player at that time, right? Which is what Waite and Garrett ended up getting. Uh, and I just I look at the situation with Cal- like Calgary does a lot of really good things as an organization. They they drafted pretty well. They find competitive players. I have empathy for the position they're in, but I can't fathom that within a calendar year they could end up losing both Goodrow and Kachuk. And you know what? It might not be a calendar year. Like after what happened with Johnny Goodrow, Brad Trelevin cannot afford Matthew Kachuk to walk away next year for for nothing. And I got to say it, part of me kind of looks at what happened here with uh, with Goodrow, and there's it was a little bit per- like I thought. It is his right. It is his prerogative to go and check the market. But it, there, there was something a little off about how it unraveled, given how far Calgary went to get the guy signed. Like, it just mm-hmm. didn't – it doesn't sit right with me. It, it, makes me like, it makes me think I'm not there. I don't 100% know what's going on in the relationship between the Goodrow camp and the Flames. But to me, that should have been resolved. And it looked to me like Calgary did everything possible to financially resolve it. And in the end, it wasn't enough. And I think the agent and the players should have given the Flames a longer lead time than that. No question. Yeah, no question. That was going to be a long uh, debated uh, and a lot of gnashing and wailing from Flames fans about how this went down, including it's it's awful. It's really like, because I think the Oilers... Uh, the older fans understand what that's like, not necessarily that it's happened to them, but they understand when stars leave how painful it is. Um, and I and look, I, I understand there's <laughs> there's a lot of older fans that are going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with their rival right now because the Oilers stand to be a pretty good franchise for the next few years, but still the circumstances behind it doesn't mean that it's uh, it's well, something and that, that's why you know, they can't, can't eat. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. Sorry, Dave. They can't. Yeah. They can't have the same thing happen with Kachuk. So they got to, you know, what or get off the pot with him, right? They either, like, they got to know where it stands. Either we can get this guy done long term, or they got to trade him. Like they can't have two players of that yeah. caliber where they retain nothing back. You know, they don't get anything back in terms of an, of an asset. So uh, 
Uh, hey, one question I have for you, Dave, is what's going on with sure. the Eastern Conference of the CFL? <laughs> It's been a long-standing issue for me. Um, I don't know. It's it's odd because I look at the Ottawa Red Blacks and the moves that they made, and they're a better football team than that. Now they don't have Jeremiah Mazzoli for, for however long, and the Tiger Cats shouldn't be this bad, but Dane Evans hasn't played very well. Uh, the Alouettes are going through a crazy transition, and Danny Machocha thinks that he's going to be able to to correct it by being on the sidelines well we'll see uh discipline issues still showed up uh, when he was on the sidelines on, on thursday so and then there's the toronto argos who are at two and two and they might be the best team in the east and uh yeah i don't understand the east at all i mean i would like to go to one division but that's probably never going to happen because the league really wants their 10th team in atlanta canada especially in halifax so that's uh, tough i mean it's going to even out it always does but uh does because there's though? more east teams going to What's like that? When's, when's the last time you think the East has been better than the West? Oh, the last time? Oh, boy. Um, you're probably thinking, I, I would think, what, early 2000s? You could make a case. 2015, the Red Blacks were, they were 12 and 6. They were pretty good. But the, the entire division? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're that's a long time. I mean, I can't remember the last time there was a, a it wasn't a crossover in the uh in the canadian football league so uh, it's it's a problem but you know i i wanted one division a long time ago but that's never going to happen just because you know the league really wants their 10th team and if you get five east five west then they they have no incentive to go really for one division even though i still would like to see that but yeah east division is is very baffling again which is sad one so, positive Couple Canadian quarterbacks coming. Obviously, the guy out Nathan Rourke out in uh, you know out in BC. That's exciting. Uh, you know, the, the Elks have got a guy that's got a chance to develop down the road and, and, and maybe be a quarterback. That's a For sure. certainly a different storyline than what we see in the past in the Canadian Football League. I mean, it's almost taken us back to the days of you know the 1960s and Russ Jackson in Ottawa. So that is a positive for the CFL. You betcha, Bob. Always great to chat with you. Thanks for the perspective and uh, the insight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Call anytime, Dave. Take care. Have a good week hosting the show. Thank you very much. Bob Stoffer, host of Orders Now and analyst on the Orders Radio Network. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, home run derby tonight at Dodger Stadium, and uh, Pete Alonso has advanced he will take on uh, julio rodriguez in round number two rodriguez hit 32 homers and uh, alonzo hit 21 beating uh ronald acuna of the atlanta braves uh i asked at the uh, front of the show or near the uh front of the show what's the best all-star skills event in your mind kellen what do you got uh well no nothing on the uh, text slide rev- uh, revolving around that uh, at the moment but uh quick cfl elks question for you uh from sure. kevin says with this quarterback carousel what are the chances of the empton elks prying vernon vernon adams jr out of montreal well i can tell you it's been discussed but it hasn't really gone far down the road just i believe the alouettes from the information I mean, they just they just want a lot in return mm. for uh, for Vernon Adams, and not necessarily a player, but the 2013 or 2023 CFL draft is quite uh, quite deep. 
So uh, I believe they want a high pick. That's what I've been told. And the Elks are going, hmm, no, willing to go that far. So, right. all right. Yeah. 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 And, so and, that's. And just a quick one from Armswear before we yep. go it says, Brad, Trey Levick is going to get fired. LOL. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, this is this is a tough situation. This is wild, man. <laughs> oh, like he's got to feel like what is happening with me. So anyway, they make the first, they make the move. They're going to file for arbitration against Matthew Kachuk. Try and get a deal done. We shall see. Well, as the flames turn, back with the next half hour in a moment. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.